Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, but not everything. But he is up to date on SCOTUS today, Mr. Nathaniel Paul SCOTUS Thurston. How's it going today, Chuck? Ah, I'm, I feel less smart. You're living the dream? Than you do. After reading 97 pages. Yeah, I didn't make it through the whole thing. It was 200 and something. It was a short novel. Yeah, that's a pretty good size. Now, when you read that opinion, I have to ask, did you read all of the U.S. codes and no, I just skip past I, I, I those? I skip past okay. that stuff, which we'll have to practice as we're reading through my screenshots I put up there today. Every once in a while, they like to throw in this thing yep. that's... Not really necessary to say. They just back it up with previous opinions and all that. Well, in case you haven't heard, America is now more racist than it's ever been. If, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Things some, are getting pretty yeah. bad out there. Uh, more racist than uh, she's ever been by the by Trump's Supreme Court. Dude. What? Handing out yet another victory for the white supremacists in our nation. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself, Charles. That's yeah. exactly what happened. But they were right. Mm-hmm. The people, the Democrats were right. That's They were right that, to be afraid of Trump. That's right. He has just destroyed democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, listen, one president gets four years and three Supreme Court justices. It's a pretty big deal. That's Even yeah. if you didn't like Trump. That's huge. Um, it's a huge deal mm-hmm. uh, that he was able to get these justices, and now he has created this extremist, far-right, white supremacist court. Domestic terrorist court. Domestic terrorist court, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, that's why we keep coming down with all of these great decisions that you and I love <laughs> and enjoy. Yeah. So affirmative action at colleges, at least, uh, looks to be dead, although they will find loopholes around this, and even the opinion itself left room for loopholes around this. Uh, They can look at people's backgrounds and hardships they've faced and all that and still make decisions based on that if they want to. And so they'll just consider that a hardship. The issue here was that they specifically said, yes, we use race as a determining factor in this decision. Well, and look, I'll get this out of the way. The libertarian in me is like, I don't care. Thank you. I was, I've was. i been wondering how I was going to make this annoying point that a lot of people just weren't going to like. But at the I'm end just, of the day, I'm like, discriminate all you want. Yeah. I don't care. I, I don't. I won't. <laughs> it doesn't mean I agree with you. Like if you're like, well, we only let whites into this college. I think you're a terrible person for mm-hmm. that. But I mean, if you own it, you're allowed to do with your property as you see fit. And so if you own the college or the business or whatever the case may be, if you want to discriminate, I think you're stupid. 
Yeah. Because you should open yourself up to a free market. And I don't think you should be bigoted or racist or any of those things. But also, who cares? The issue becomes, and, and this is the reason this was taken up, is uh, public universities or universities that accept tons of public money. Mm, all of them. So I was thinking on this yesterday and trying to decide, like, okay, when you take public money and then they can tell you whether Does or not Harvard you can discriminate. Does Harvard take a bunch of public money? Well, yeah. I mean, so many loans are subsidized by oh, the, by the yeah. government, yeah. you know. And so they, they're essentially taking public funds. All of the universities are working off of public funds uh, to do this. So um, the problem is, what's a public fund? What's government money? The government's just people, Charlie. It's mm. just our money. They're not some kind of separate entity. In different hands. Yeah, it's just our money taken from us. And uh, what they've decided is that when you take our money, you cannot then use it and use discriminatory practices based on race uh, whenever you are doing these college admissions. Now, I don't know how this is going to affect things like hiring practices uh, or whatever else they essentially use affirmative action in, but this is a starting point. And it practically, it's a good thing because affirmative action is a bad thing. It's actual discrimination. And so I'm against it like I'm against discrimination based on race. Mm. Now, Legally, How virtuous of you. We can t I know. I'd like everyone to know that to me, Nathan Thurston, I'm against discriminating based That's on race. What you were making that sign with earlier with glitter mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, I want to go playing. out there. Hold it. Are you you're like you're against poverty? I am against poverty mm. and death as well. Mm. Hey, uh let's start today with a quote from Thomas Sowell. Why not? He says, When people get used to preferential treatment. Equal treatment seems like discrimination. Mm. And that or is what... seems like punishment. <laughs> yes. Either one. That is what you will see across the Twitter sphere today, uh, is that equal treatment. And by that, I mean they look at your test scores, and when you're doing the admissions, they try to admit uh, people based on their ability to obtain degrees from this university, which is the way that they should be doing it. Um that's equal treatment. You just look at the scores. I don't. Even, let's not even put people's names. Let's blind it. Let's take their names off, their race, their sex, all this stuff, and Age. let's just look at their scores and see whether or not they're going to be able to obtain a degree from this college. That's what I want to do if I were a college, and my asset, my my product, I was selling to people was the the worth of a degree from my university. I would want that degree to mean something. And so I would want everyone to know that, oh, people with this degree, uh, that it's for a good reason and it's a very valuable thing. And I got in there for a reason. Yeah. But the issue is uh, when you throw in all of this government money or our money into this, then you, you take away that incentive for that degree to be worth enough for people to pay to go there because then you don't really have to consider that all that much. Uh, so, okay, there's a Thomas Sowell quote. All right. I can't figure out if this is a satire post or not. I looked at Erica Marsh. I looked at her Twitter. If you guys can let me know if you've had any seen any past tweets from this person in the live group, let us know. Um, I looked through her feed and uh, or through her previous posts, and they all seem to be serious about things. I mean, they're not crazy. They're not saying crazy racist stuff like this. <laughs> Just like normal lefty posts about things, except for this one. This is norm a normie lefty. It's very weird. And Charlie, Erica Marsh 
even if this is satire, to me, this is what people are saying yeah. when they get upset about it anyway. So she tweets, today's Supreme Court decision is a direct attack on black people. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system, which is exactly why affirmative action-based programs were needed. Today's decision is a travesty. It has to be satire, right? But when you look through her Twitter, there is nothing showing that she does satire posts. Yeah, this is ultimately racist. <laughs> it's a very racist thing. What you're saying is, but this is what the left has been doing for a long time, is you can't get ahead. It's, there's, no, there's no way that you can uh, attain any sort of success on your own. You need us to mm -hmm. help you because the system's rigged against you. White people are rigged against you. Asian people are rigged against you. Everything is rigged against you. You're a victim, and there's no way that you can get anywhere based on your own hard work and determination if you're black. And I mean, they don't know how to use the internet. They don't have <laughs> driver's <know> licenses. <laughs> they don't have IDs. Yep. They don't, like, I mean. Don't know how to vote. And that, that's so, re it's so ridiculous to keep, you know, harping on this idea. The soft bigotry of low expectations. Another, yes. Another uh, that, that, thing. That people, that black people can't get ahead in life um, because they wouldn't succeed in a merit-based system. You know what else is merit-based? Football. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. do they sign giant contracts to people based on the, the I think, color of their skin? I think we need affirmative action for white people in football yeah, right. and basketball. Right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it looks like it's a merit based system and you basically get the biggest contracts depending on how good you are mm -hmm. at said sport to bring in revenue for the white slave football owners. <laughs> okay. So in the SCOTUS ruling, uh, right here, of course, they ruled uh, getting rid of this affirmative action, which I think is a great thing. Um, there's our cover page. And remember what Biden said, by the way. Poor people are just as smart and talented as white people. And, and you know, he's so, he's so right yeah, about that. They're just as smart and talented. Here's the basic part. Uh, here's the basic opinion, Charles. Go ahead. All right. Uh, this was written by uh, Thomas. Uh, uh, this one right here comes from Roberts, I believe. Oh, this is the main opinion. So Chief, Chief mm -hmm. Roberts. Okay. Eliminating racial discrimination means eliminating all of it. And the Equal Protection Clause we have accordingly held applies, quote, without regard to any differences of race, of color, or of nationality. It is, quote, universal in its application. For the guarantee of equal protection cannot mean one thing when applied to one individual and something else when applied to a person of another color. And that's derived from Regents of University of California versus Baki. Uh, if both are not accorded the same protection, then it is not equal. That seems simple enough to me. Mm. Like how do you... I don't understand actually arguing in favor of discrimination and racism. And, and, but that's what people are doing. If you go well, online, you read stuff. You would say that being white and Asian. <laughs> yeah. But I have yeah. a, here's the deal. Your I've, test scores are probably great. I've got a big stake in this because uh, I'm part Asian and I feel discriminated against in multiple different ways. Every part of me has been discriminated against when it comes to college admissions. Mm. Okay. Also, uh, we'll talk about this kind of stuff a little bit later about how it, 
affirmative action, in my opinion, creates a lot of the racial division and animosity that we have. Like, it's not fair. It's just little bitty things at a time that happen. And it's not like, I haven't had enough of them over my life to go around like being mad at black people. <laughs> but some people have. Like, for instance, I'm paying still for my student loans at the moment. I couldn't just get them wiped off or anything. And one of the main reasons is that I put on my application all my stuff that I was white. Mm. You know? Now, I found out later that I was a decent amount Japanese. And it turns out I might not have had to pay for anything. I don't know. At that point in time, I might not have had to. You know? My wife, when she went to college, tried to get some... Uh, Wouldn't it be funny if you checked multiple boxes? <laughs> just all the boxes. See <laughs> yeah. what happens. Yeah. When she went to college, she tried to get some, some, uh, some financial aid. And they... The, uh, the person in the office literally told her that she wasn't going to get it. They just told her right, right off the bat. It's like, listen, you're, you're not going to get it because you're white. They, they literally told her in the office, if you were black or if you had a bunch of kids, then you would get this. But you're not going to get this money. And they just told her not to waste her time, essentially. And so little things like that stack up over time. And you can see how people would be I don't, a little resentful about it. Now imagine that just happening over and over again. And imagine not being the kind of person who... Uh, deals with adversity and perseveres and takes personal responsibility wherever you can. Like, okay, they shouldn't give it to me for free anyway. It's my job to pay for this. It's not their job to pay for it anyway. We should want like the best lawyers and the best doctors and the best whatever, mathematicians, whatever you can think of, people building robotics, AI, whatever. We should literally want the best of the best doing those things. Mm -hmm. I don't care what color you are. You know, like, do you, do you want a subpar doctor operating on you? You know? No. Sure, he got into Harvard, but should he have? Or she? That's already... Or they? I've seen people at medical schools saying that they were worried that there weren't going to be as many black people going to their schools. And what they're saying is, now that we're just going to be looking at people's test scores for admission, we're not going to have as many black people, and we're worried about that. And I'm like, you were letting people in the medical school, not based on their merit, but based on their race? Really? Yeah. That's what we were doing here? Mm -hmm. It's freaking medical school. So there and was... Reverse it. I don't care if no white person gets into medical school at all, if they're all black, because mm -hmm. they're all the best. Good. I just want the best. I just want the best. Mm -hmm. The best of the best. The creme de la creme. Uh, look at this. Harvard's preferences for underrepresented minorities. Harvard's admissions data revealed astonishing racial disparities and admission rates among similar, similarly qualified applicants. Uh, when you look at this, at, on the left, it says academic decile. Let me get bigger there. And then uh, going towards the right, we got white, Asian American, African American, Hispanic, all applicants. And this is the admission rates by race and ethnicity. So if you're up there at 10, so if you're in the 100%, you're better than basically everyone. Your test scores are better than basically everyone. Your admission rate as a white person is 15.3. Asian is 12.7. African-American is 56.1. Uh, Hispanic is 31.3. All right. Now, one of the interesting points that was made was if you go down to the 40th percentile here, um, the admission rate is 12.8% for African-Americans down here in the 40th, which is higher than the admission rate 
for Asian Americans that are, whose scores are better than everyone. You can be in the 40th and have a higher admission rate than the Asian Americans whose scores are better than everyone. Okay? Is this discrimination? I feel bad for the Asians now. Which is, which is how this case was, was brought. Mm-hmm. It was uh, literally discriminated against Asians. Now, what if that I mean, means... we bombed them. I know. You know. We destroyed lineages of families. Tell me they don't... Just... We put their parents in prison camps. Hey, you don't got to tell me. And then... Okay. <laughs> and then now we won't even let them into college. I know. We're hurting mm-hmm. everyone. Now, eventually, yeah, this... With this ruling, it means that essentially our colleges are just going to be completely full of Chinese people. Like that's uh, that's just going to be it, from what I can tell. Uh, maybe we need more more colleges. I guess I'm not sure. And before we get into the ruling, uh, once again, when you look at polling numbers, public colleges and universities should not be able to use race as a factor in admissions. Seventy four percent of respondents agree with that. Should not be able to. Basically all. Now, we don't make Supreme Court decisions or legal decisions based on polling numbers. But when you go out there and you look online and you read all the crazy stuff people are saying, uh, remember that that's not exactly how the population believes based on what the polls are. Okay, Democrats, 60%, say that they should not be able to use race. Independents, 75%, say they should not be able to use race. And Republicans are at 88%. Okay. So let's actually get into some of this. I'm going to skip through. Well, Chuck Schumer had some words to say, uh, Supreme Court's ruling put a giant roadblock in America's march toward racial justice. Consequences will be felt immediately as students of color will face an admission cycle next year with fewer opportunities. Except for Asian. Except for that color. Once again, um, you're essentially saying there's no way students of color are going to be able to score higher on their on their tests. You know, just not possible. Mm-mm. It just can't happen. All right. The well, negative. You need you need, a, you need a, an ID to do that. <laughs> get those. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. Go ahead, Charlie. He tweets an extreme. Look at this. The whole thing could be a dumb bleep. Mm-hmm. An extremist Supreme Court has once again reversed decades of settled law rolled back the march towards racial justice. Okay, so this is the mm-hmm. these are the buzzwords they're going to use. Yep. Um, and narrowed educational opportunity for all. For, for all? For all. Mm. That matter to people today that I'm tweeting to. I won't yeah. stop fighting for young people with big dreams who deserve an equal chance to pursue their future. God. They... But they just decided. They do an equal. Remember that Thomas Sowell quote that we talked about? (laughs) I just. When people get used to preferential treatment, equal treatment seems like discrimination. This is an equal chance to pursue your future. An equal chance doesn't mean giving you preference over other people. That is not equal. I know. Yeah. I just can't. I don't even. I don't even know what's real anymore. What they mean by equal is they're talking about equity. I need to be put in a no. mental institution. Yeah, your face is getting red right I now. I can't handle You're it. You're getting hot. Okay. I can't handle it. All right, now we're going to get into, listen, we wouldn't normally just read a large portion of someone's decision, but uh, Justice Thomas, he let it all, he, he put it out there today, okay? I'm telling you, when he got into the room, it, 
his, his dick had already been there for 10 minutes, okay, <laughs> by the time he got there. And so we're going to go through, I'll probably edit that out, don't worry. I've been watching the succession a lot lately, and so I'm, I'm saying that word quite a bit. Uh, it says, under our constitution, race is irrelevant, as the court acknowledges. In fact, all racial categories are little more than stereotypes, suggesting that immutable characteristics somehow conclusively determine a person's ideolo- ideology, beliefs, and abilities. Of course, that is false. Members of the same race do not all share the exact same experiences and viewpoints. Far from it. A black person from rural Alabama surely has different experiences than a black person from Manhattan or a black first-generation immigrant from Nigeria, in the same way that a white person from rural Vermont has a different perspective than a white person from Houston, Texas. Yet, universities' racial policies suggest that racial identity alone constitutes the being of the race or the man. Uh, that is... That is the same naked racism upon which segregation itself was built. Small wonder, then, that these policies are leading to increasing racial polarization and friction. This kind of reductionist logic leads directly to the, quote, disregard for what does not jive with preconceived theory, providing a cloak to conceal complexity, argument to the crown for praising or damning without the trouble of going into details such as details about an individual's ideas or unique background. Rather than forming a more pluralistic society, these policies thus strip us of our individuality and undermine the very diversity of thought that universities purport to seek. Mm. That's pretty good. He's doing a good job. Scathing. Uh, Go ahead there, Chuck. The solution to our nation's racial problems thus cannot come from policies grounded in affirmative action or some other conception of equity. Racialism simply cannot be undone by different or more racialism. Instead, the solution announced in the second founding is incorporated in our Constitution, that we are all equal and should be treated equally before the law without regard to our race. Only that promise can allow us to look past our differing skin colors and identities to see each other for what we truly are. Individuals with unique thoughts, perspectives, and goals, but with equal dignity and equal rights under the law. Freaking racist, man. Mm. Equal rights under the law? So weird. It's white supremacy. Unique individuals? Mm-hmm. You're saying we're not grouping <clears throat> these people together? The, the, the smallest minority is the individual, mm-hmm. man. Uh, Justice Jackson <clears throat> has a different view. Rather than focusing on individuals as individuals, her dissent focuses on the historical subjugation of black Americans invoking statistical racial gaps to argue in favor of defining and categorizing individuals by their race. As she sees things, we are all inexorably trapped in a fundamentally racist society, with the original sin of slavery and the historical subjugation of black Americans still determining our lives today. <clears throat> the Panchia, Panacea. I'm sorry, the Panacea, she counsels, is to unquestioningly unquestioningly accede to the view of elite experts and reallocate society's riches by racial means as necessary to, quote, level the playing field, all as judged by racial metrics. I strongly disagree. Mm, I like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see, where does he go? First, the stated above, any statistical gaps between the average wealth of black and white Americans is constitutionally irrelevant. This is one thing I actually didn't bring in Justice Jackson's dissent, <clears throat> but she she just talks about all of these disparities between black and white Americans. 
And that, that has nothing to do with whether or not this is constitutional. Okay, it's not on the Supreme Court to decide whether or not they should allow racism or discrimination to try and level the playing field for people. And it's very dangerous that we have a Supreme Court justice that's just openly saying, well, since people aren't exactly equal in their wealth of their households, then we should allow discrimination against the people who have more wealth. It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, more black people have diabetes, so we should just like... It, we should force diabetes on other <laughs> yeah, races. That's what we need to do. So that we all have an equal amount of diabetes. Diabetes. Mm-hmm. And that way we all can check our blood sugar and check it often. Um, oh, Wilford Brimley, you know. Is he still kicking around? Or is he, he's, he, I think he, he got kicked the, the bucket, didn't he? He kicked too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kicked until he hit the bucket. I, of course, uh, back to uh, Thomas here. I, of course, agree that our society is not and has never been colorblind. People discriminate against one another for a whole host of reasons. But under the 14th Amendment, the law must disregard all racial distinctions. Now, he puts a quote in here. I believe this is from a previous ruling. And in view of the Constitution and the eye of the law, there is in this country no superior dominant ruling class of citizens. There is no caste here. Our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. In respect of civil rights, all citizens are equal before the law. The humblest is the peer of the most powerful. The law regards man as man and takes no... What about women? Mm. You know? Jeez. And takes no account... Well, they can be men now, so we can just... True. Yeah. Just man as man. That's fine. And takes no account of his surroundings or of his color when his civil rights, as guaranteed by the Supreme Law of the Land, are involved. Okay. All right. Continuing on with the passage of the 14th Amendment, the people of our nation proclaimed that the law may not sort citizens based on race. It is this principle that the framers of the 14th Amendment adopted in the wake of the Civil War to fulfill the promise of equality under the law. And it is this principle that has guaranteed a nation of equal citizens the privileges or immunities of citizenship and the equal protection of the laws. To now dismiss it as two-dimensional flatness is to abdicate a sacred trust to ensure that our honored dead shall not have died in vain. This is from Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Yet, Justice Jackson... Is it is normal he, for them to just go after someone like this, or is it cool because they're both black? Sometimes they <laughs> go that back. Fine? Sometimes they go back and forth, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and he's not yelling at her. It's like when you... It's proper. Uh, it's, it's in caps. It's all caps. It's, yeah. So Justice, yeah, Justice Jackson would replace the, sec, uh, the second founder's vision with an organizing principle based on race. In fact, on her view, almost all of life's outcomes may be unhesit unhesitatingly ascribed to race. This is so, she writes, because of statistical disparities among different racial groups. Even if some whites have a lower household net worth than some blacks, what matters to Justice Jackson is that the average white household has more wealth than the average black household. And, and that's right. That means we're not looking at individuals. We're looking at average. And so you decide that you're going to, okay, well, this person's black. They can get admitted over this person who is white. And then at that point, you're making that decision. She's defending that because she puts in her dissent talking about the wealth of households, white versus black. Well, what if the white person had a lower wealth household than the black person had? 
And in fact, uh, Thomas talks about that. We don't have to go into that whole thing, but he uses her example. Oh, good. He, uh, he quoted Thomas Sowell two or three times in his descent, by the way. This lore, talking about the uh, white versus black household wealth, this lore is not and has never been true. Even in the segregated South where I grew up, individuals were not the sum of their skin color. Then, as now, not all disparities are based on race. Not all people are racist, and not all differences between individuals are ascribable to race. Put simply, quote, the fate of the... The fate of abstract categories of wealth statistics is not the same as the fate of a given set of flesh and blood human beings. Thomas Sowell from Wealth, Poverty, and Politics. Reading this opinion today, uh, by the way, caused me to download two more Thomas Sowell books on my uh, Audible. So <laughs> working on those right now. Worse still, Justice Jackson uses her broad observations about statistical relationships between race and select measures of health wealth, and well-being to label all blacks as victims. Her desire to do so is unfathomable to me. I cannot deny the great accomplishments of black Americans, including those who succeeded despite long odds. Uh, I don't want to go through this whole thing right here. Nor do Justice Jackson's statistics regarding the correlation between the levels of health, wealth, and well-being between selected racial groups prove anything. Of course, none of those statistics are capable of drawing a direct causal link between race rather than socioeconomic status or any other factor and individual outcomes. So Justice Jackson supplies the link herself, the legacy of slavery and the nature, the nature of inherited wealth. In her dissent, she does, I mean, she just goes right down the line of the lefty uh, talking points that this is all just a legacy of slavery. And of course there have been things that have held black people back. Okay? Awful things. Of course. Now, what you have to ask is, is that the fault of the people who worked their butts off to get into Harvard and then couldn't get into Harvard because they weren't black and other people that were black were let in? Because we're talking about, in a Supreme Court case, there has to be someone who was harmed. Okay, and those people bring the case. Were they harmed and were they discriminated based on their race? The answer is yes. And so we don't have to go into whether or not white people have larger net wealth than black people do. That's not... It's not the it question before the court. Say that the 14th Amendment. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't say that once average household wealth is even, then we start treating everyone equally under the law. That's not what it says. Yeah. Okay? I think, I really think Jordan Peterson did one of the best jobs at explaining that the problem is, is you have to fractionate the, the, the suppressed people all the way down to the level of the individual. Mm-hmm. Right? Like very, there are very few people in life who just have it made and they just keep it made their whole life, right? Almost certainly almost every person I know, and I know this is anecdotal, but almost every person I know, I can't think of one actually who's just had oh, just an easy life. You know, they've yeah. all had something. And that goes for all friends that I have of all colors. It, it doesn't like the, the thing about, um, the suffering of human beings is it doesn't know a race. No. You know, you could live the most perfect life and get cancer at 19. And yeah, well, mother nature shows no discrimination there. It doesn't yeah. matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what kind of food you ate. It doesn't matter what kind of household you grew up in, what the average wealth of your parents are, whether your parents are still together or not, whether your sister committed, committed suicide, what well, doesn't matter. Those are all just, factors and yeah. actually right so here you have to fractionate it 
all the way down to the level of the individual and you judge when you're, when you're letting someone in to, to represent your university, you have to judge that individual by that individual. And that's it. Why should the 18-year-old kids today or 17, 18-year-old kids today pay for any sorts of sins that their great, great, great grandparents did now? And especially why should Asian immigrants be paying for the, right. you know, um, what you just said. See, I, I said we don't need to read this, and I look through it, and this is why it's all in here. He says, Justice Jackson's race-infused worldview falls flat at each step. Individuals are the sum of their unique experiences, challenges, and accomplishments. What matters is not the barriers they face, but how they choose to confront them. And their race is not to blame for everything, good or bad, that happens in their lives. A contrary, myopic worldview based on individual skin color to the total exclusion of their personal choices is nothing short of racial determinism. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's not bad. Okay, I don't mind that. Uh, let's see. Let me see what else we have. Sorry. Talking about this story here. He tells it. Uh, Jackson and her descent just gave an example, someone named Jack, someone named John. And basically, um, Thomas came back on that and, and gave the example that we did. Well, what if the black person grew up with a rich family and the white person grew up in a poor family and you're still using race uh, to, to determine this? That's not going to work. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, level the playing field. Okay. Most others in the future... Must others in the future make sacrifices to re-level the playing field for this new phase of racial subordination? And then, out of whose lives should the debt owed to further victims be repaid? What he's saying is that we are trying to solve past racism with racism currently, and that that is going to set people back who would not have otherwise been set back. And we are allowing literal racism and discrimination against people based on, based on their race, okay? And so he's saying, well, what about in a future generation? Now are we going to have to make black people pay again because these people were held back because of their skin color? And that's essentially what he's talking about here. Out of whose lives should the debt owed to those further victims be repaid? This vision of meeting social racism with government-imposed racism is thus self-defeating, resulting in never-ending cycle of victimization. That's so good. There is no reason to continue down that path. In the wake of the Civil War, the framers of the 14th Amendment charted the way out, a colorblind constitution that requires the government to, at long last, put aside its citizen skin color and focus on their individual achievements. Mm. Mm. That's good stuff. Then he starts talking about other stuff uh, right there. Mm-mm-mm. Good uh, stuff. Really good opinion from him. I think overall this is a uh, this is a good day. I do have this clip from Thomas Sowell if we have time where he's talking about the problems with affirmative action. Go for it. If we got a got a second for it because he talks about got to get the Whoopsie Goldberg too though. Oh yeah, well, let's play that real quick then. All right, let's talk about Whoopsie. She's upset about this. What she? Well, got I mean, to say? you guys should base your opinion off what the View has to say. Of if, course. No, listen. I mean, if she's applying to go to college and I'm applying to go to college. She should get in because she's black. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the way it is. Uh, the Supreme Court has upset a 45-year precedent, ruling it unconstitutional for universities to consider race in admissions. Now, the 14th Amendment is supposed Stop. to Stop. promise Real quick. equal... Imagine saying that what she just said and being <laughs> upset about it. I know. I, 
I never thought, I honestly never thought we would make it to the, to a day where somebody would be upset that the Supreme court made a ruling that says that we should not allow colleges to base their admissions on someone's race. And it, that's upsetting. It seems so simple. You know, how is this difficult for people? That's what they were fighting in the 60s. <laughs> that's what the civil rights movement was all about. Now, they, we got affirmative action uh, with that. And, uh, you know, you think about the Civil Rights Act. And, I know, but think about what they were saying. Like what yeah. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was saying. You know, I want to be judged based on the content of my character, not the color of my skin. But what people have we to... Shouldn't, we shouldn't... We, we should be... That we shouldn't... It shouldn't be determined on whether or not we can sit in a certain seat on the bus or a certain seat in the restaurant based on the color of our skin, based on race. Admission should be based on character, merit. accomplishments, merit, Yeah, nothing else. The thing that people are missing is they're acting like they're still just race-based discrimination that they're fighting against by using affirmative action, meaning that if we don't have affirmative action, all of these colleges, your wokest-ass universities that you can think of, are immediately just going to stop having black people come out there. <laughs> They've only had these colleges that are destroying our damn society right now have only been allowing black people to come onto the campus because of affirmative action. That's essentially what all these people are saying. Also, how does that feel, by the way, if you were a black person to be like, well, I got into Harvard because I'm black, not because I'm good. <laughs> it, it, like, what, that's, like, that's like forcing someone to love you. Imagine also it, like, you, someone how, else didn't get to go. It doesn't feel good. You got to go with a lower score and someone else didn't get to go to Harvard that year. How do you not feel bad about that? Do you just have to be such an entitled person that you think that that person that, whose spot you took owed it to you somehow because of the color of their skin. Yeah. I think that's what you have to yeah. believe. What whoopsie misses here is that we're, we're not having people discriminate against because they're black and not get allowed to go to, not allowed to go to college. There's a difference between discrimination and disparities. And if people who are black have lower test scores, lower entrance exams or whatever you take to go to college, I don't even know what you take. What, what do we have to take to go to college? ACTs or something? ACT in Illinois, I think most people take SATs. SATs. Mm. Yeah, we had ACTs yep. in Illinois. Because Illinois is racist. And if they have lower scores and you don't get to go to the college, that's not discrimination based on race. It's not. That is a disparity among racial groups. It's discrimination based on your test scores which is how they should discriminate. Mm -hmm. But even okay. that, it's not indicative of black people as a whole because there's no. plenty of black people who are way more successful than most Americans. Looking at you, whoopsie. <laughs> All right, she's got more. Protection. Uh -huh. But if everyone was actually treated equally, we wouldn't have had to put in affirmative action. So we wouldn't have had to do it. Right. People wouldn't have had to march and beg and gotten hosed and all. You see, I don't, they have to have the lowest IQ audience of any show I've ever heard. Like, that's pretty racist, Nate. Did she, did she, no, I guarantee you it's 90% white women 
that are in the audience. Okay, just saying. An IQ less than 100. God, I mean, seriously. They went to school to learn how to retread tires. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's what happened. No, they studied feminism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And LGBTQIA2+. <laughs> okay. Um, she just makes a stupid point like, oh, well, if we wouldn't have had discrimination, then we wouldn't Somebody need affirmative live, action. That's not an argument for right now. The live group said room temp IQ. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Lukewarm, baby. <laughs> All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's do the uh, Thomas Soul video right quick. Uh, he talks about another way that this harms people, and that uh, that is people are getting admitted into colleges that honestly, based on their test scores, they shouldn't be going to. All right. That, is that not setting them up for failure? It literally sets them up for failure, and it sets them also up for a lot of debt that they can't pay off because then the graduation rates are lower because they only went in because of their skin color. They wouldn't have got in based on their test scores. They can't handle the stuff at the university, and they end up with a bunch of debt at the college. and No degree. And no degree. Okay? And so let's, uh, let's listen to what he has to say. You talked about affirmative action, and you came up with some statistics and I wanted to ask you about. You said that at the University of California at Berkeley, for example, where the entering freshman class has been described as, quote, wonderfully diverse, unquote, mm -hmm. because the, quote, class closely reflects, reflects the actual ethnic distribution of California high school students. These are your words. More than 70% of black students fail to graduate. Yes. Why? Because they're mismatched with Berkeley. That is, these students, the average black student at Berkeley is above the national average on test scores. It's just that the average white student is further above the national average, and the average Asian student further above than the white students. And so in that atmosphere, these students who have every qualification to succeed are artificially turned into failures. And the only beneficiary of that is the University of California at Berkeley. Because what they've effectively done is rented these bodies for window dressing for a few years. And then when they're through with them, they're put aside. A new bunch of bodies are brought in. There's another group, I guess, that benefits from this. You have an establishment there, a black studies establishment, who needs students to, man, to be in their classrooms, and these students serve those serve their purposes. Now, people who have political movements have people they can mobilize for those movements while those students are there. It's very much like what happens in athletics, that you have students who come in, as long as they can score touchdowns, the coach is happy. The fact that these students don't graduate is not the coach's problem. His problem is how to hold on to his six-figure salary and his job. And the students have to be sacrificed, then they are sacrificed. Of 312 black students entering Berkeley in 1987, all were admitted under affirmative action. Mm. You say that 70% of those fail to graduate. Mm. What would you tell those students to do under the circumstances, knowing that statistic? I would tell them what I've told uh, students in general of all races to do, which is to go to schools that match your educational capabilities at the time. Because you need to be matched with a school. You, know, you shouldn't try to go to where the glitzy name is or what have you. Now, unfortunately, many of the minority students have such low income that they must go to wherever the money is. And the money is disproportionately at the kinds of schools that they will find very, very difficult to graduate from. All right, let's take it from the standpoint of the school. You're at the school and you want to do good. Mm. You say it doesn't work. What would you tell the school to do? To admit students on the basis of their qualifications. But what happens if they come up and statistically they have nothing close to the population? Well, they, they, won't, they won't have anything at, at, at the top level. But 
we have more than 3,000 colleges and universities in this country. Uh, every human being that's not severely mentally retarded is perfectly qualified to be at one of those institutions. I mean, there are institutions where if you can fill out the application form, you're qualified to do the work. And there are others <laughs> where if you're not in the top 1 or 2%, your chances of making it are extremely slim. And it's precisely these second places that they want to send black students that they don't send white students of the same level of ability. And it's not at all surprising that they had to run into the academic problems they do. Let me give you another example that's not in the book. At MIT, the average black student is at the top 10% nationwide in mathematics and in the bottom 10% at MIT. And one-fourth of them don't make it. Now, when you realize how few black students at that level, to lose one-fourth of them, uh, you can't afford that. I think there's another larger loss that you have. You have the kid who goes to a top-level school. And he wants to be a chemist or whatever. And now he gets there and he finds he cannot learn chemistry as it's taught at that school. It does not mean he can't learn chemistry. It means that if they have very high-pressure students, they can teach this stuff at a very fast rate skipping on explanations, skipping over steps in the, in the mathematics, and these students will all pick that up as they go along. He may find that he can't keep up with that. And so in, in order to survive, he switches into some easy subject, which may be some ethnic studies program or what have you. And so someone who could have gotten a first-rate education at a good college ends up getting a third-rate education at a top college or ends up flunking out altogether. Uh, in the book that I wrote about colleges, I urged minority parents not to think that because they had a good experience on a particular college campus 30 years ago, that their children will have that good an experience today because the racial tension is enormous on many campuses. Uh, the colleges themselves try to say that they're, they're victims of the racism of the largest society. And in point of fact, the racism on the campuses is greater than that in the largest society in many campuses. And what I worry about is that they're going to graduate into the general society, blacks and whites alike, who hate each other's guts, and who, who can be the leaders of new racial strife for the future. What's causing mm. that on college? Did he predict something One there? of the factors is the, pre the preferential policies. You put yourself in the position of a black kid who comes out of a ghetto school, and he's gone through for 12 years with nothing but A's and B's, without a great deal of effort. And now he finds himself for the first time in his life in a predominantly white environment. And he finds that when he works twice as hard as he's ever worked, all he gets back for his work is a D. And that, there are, and that there is also a minority establishment, this is true not only of blacks, but of minorities in general, establishment which tells him, yes, uh, this, is, this is the racism on this campus, that uh, the, the, the white power structure is trying to keep you down. And it has to have a certain plausibility to it. But it's truly criminal what goes on in terms of using and manipulating the students uh, to serve all kinds of external purposes. Uh, the fact that you have students there who are tremendously uh, alienated because they suddenly find themselves in this situation where academically they're, it's all they can do to keep their noses above the water, if they can do that. And then there's someone there to tell them that this is all due to the white power structure. And then there are the white students who are sick of hearing that. And they say, if you can't hack it, that's your problem. Don't, don't, don't give us this, this, this junk. And then that's called insensitivity. It's also, it's self-reinforcing. You know, there are some reactions that are self-equilibrating, but there's some that, that keep feeding each other. Let's say an ugly racial incident happens on campus at one of the elite colleges. Invariably, the first thing that would be said is we must have now a larger quota of minority students, a larger quota of minority faculty, and we must now subject the white students to these uh, sensitivity courses or ethnic courses or what have you, courses that they've rejected taking, otherwise 
they wouldn't, wouldn't be necessary to force them. That is not going to make things better. That's going to make them worse. But as they get worse, then you keep doing that. And so it's just an upward spiral. And I just don't know where that spiral is going to end. I don't see anybody with the courage to end it. And I see it uh, leading only to bad things. Mm. You talk. Mm. Just pure gold. Pretty good stuff. Mm. By the way, this was in uh, 1990. So that's 33 years ago. 33 years and 19 days ago mm-hmm. uh, from today. And uh, he, like you said, did he just predict, predict something? He says that he was worried that he was going to have a whole generation of people leaving school and, you know. Increasing racial tensions. In, increasing racial tensions. Uh, because when people were getting let into schools that they would not have otherwise been let into because uh, on the merits, on the test scores, they got let in, couldn't pass anything. And then they were told that that's because of racism. And so then they failed, but they were told because it was because of racism, they had debt from college, all of this stuff. Uh, and it wasn't because they were forcefully like led into a school uh, where on the merit wouldn't have in the first place. But you know, they might be right. It could be because of <laughs> racism, but they don't realize who the racists are. Yeah. It's because you're a racist. <laughs> no, it's the racist ones are the ones le- setting them up to fail. Because mm-hmm. imagine, okay, imagine like what Johnson said when he implemented the things that he implemented. <laughs> like imagine if you wanted to, you know, keep black people down. Well, you would find ways, if, if you were a really good manipulator, right? Okay. Nate thinks this way. I don't. I learned it from him. <laughs> so imagine you, you wanted to, you know, harm a certain race of people. You're not going to come right out and, you know, do it. You just... You're going to think of a more sophisticated way mm-hmm. of keeping people down. Uh, why not give them admission into something that they know they can't do? Mm-hmm. Basically, it's because, like, not because they're, they can't do it because they're black. I'm not saying that, but they can't do it because their test scores don't, don't enable them to learn in a particular way they need to learn at that institution, as Thomas Sowell said. Or, or imagine, for instance, you know. You wanted to harm someone, and and I would never do this, but you know you you uh, you know you give them the keys to a helicopter. You know? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, hey, just you know, here's my keys to my helicopter. You just fly this thing around mm-hmm. and have a good time. Come back later. You know, I want to give you some white privilege here. You know, white people have these helicopters, <laughs> and uh, and you just give them keys to helicopter. And you just watch them fly around and crash. So what you're saying is to a to a black person. <laughs> Going to college is basically as hard as flying a helicopter. I, I, don't, I don't know that. <laughs> I'm just trying to use another analogy. They're like not, if you, imagine if you wanted to harm someone in a sophisticated way. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, who are the actual racists here? The problem here, is so we can uh, round it out, because it sounds like we're just saying black people shouldn't go to college. That's, <laughs> That's, no. Everything is about incentives. And if you want to go to Harvard then you need to be a person who gets high enough scores. Well, but this also starts way before. I mean, that's the whole no child left behind. We'll pass anybody. We don't make them do their homework or whatever the case may be. We've just made it so easy for all kids, really. And it also starts in the home, you know, and it's really based on socioeconomic status, I would say more than race, but like what Justin Thomas said. Right. But based on social economic, you can see like, okay, what parents are actually involved in their kids' lives, who's helping them with homework, who's trying to keep them on task, who's wanting them to succeed versus the absent parents or the abusive parents or, you know, 
the, the parent that's working three or four jobs because of their lower socioeconomic status, whatever the case may be. And, and, and rather than teaching the kids the incentive of hard work and perseverance and determination, we're going to just pass them because we can't let anybody fail. We can't keep score in T-ball. We can't let anybody fail. We don't, we don't want anybody to feel bad. Oh, bad feelings. Mm, even with that. You know? Because then you might have to make a decision to do something that might make yourself feel better. Or even worse, what if someone calls you a racist? You don't want someone to call you a racist. Mm, no, of course yeah. not. Yeah, so we do all these things in, under the virtue guise of patting ourselves on the back of like, look how great we are that we've given these people these opportunities. But all we're doing is setting them up for failure. And in a way, it's reverse racism, I think. And it... Just my opinion. <clears throat> what we have to do is uh, we... We have to have the right incentive structures, you know? Like I said, if you want to go to Harvard or one of these schools, then you got to have the better scores. And it's not just incentive for the students. It's incentive for the high schools and community colleges and things like that as well. They need to know also that these kids actually aren't just going to get let in based on the fact that they're black. Mm. Uh, we're going to have to start teaching people something, you know? I can't with this live group. <laughs> I can't. I don't actually have it open right now, so I haven't oh, seen anything in a while. I don't even know if I could say it. Um, you could find out what it says, though, if you go to joingml.com. There you go. Um, I got a one-minute uh, personal story. I won't take more than one minute. One minute. Okay, well, here comes another negative review on Apple Podcasts. But like what, um, what Thomas Sowell is saying here, I had an experience with this when I went to community college for free. Okay, I went to community college, and I was going to be a music major. It's going to be a music teacher. Some of you don't know. I've got like five years of college under my belt. Okay, I'm professional. We couldn't tell. College goer. All right, no degree though. When I was leaving the two year college, when I was leaving the community college, my our, our music instructor John said I, I was wanting to go to the school in Missouri, and uh, he said Nate you're not ready to go to that school. You're going to go there, you know, and here you're like top dog, smartest person I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but, Nate, um, Nate dog, they referred to you. your top Nate dog, top Nate dog. Yeah. And, uh, he was like, I know you're doing a great job here, but you're given like how you're doing right now. You're still going to fail at this other college. Like you have no idea what's about to hit you. You need to go here for another year before you go to that college. And I said, racist? <laughs> no, I, didn't say that. I said, I've been at a two-year college for two years. And so now I'm going over to this university. Okay. You thought he was trying to manipulate you to stay because he needed a you know another good trumpet player. Yeah. Um, I went there for a year, kind of, dropped out of a good portion of the classes, ended up with a few credits that were transferable, about twelve thousand in debt from that school. Um, it was and then piano class, wasn't it? It was, it was piano there, mainly at, at SIU. Piano was rough too. Mm. I was so terrible at piano. Mm. So bad. Play the pianos. Uh, and then I went over to um, SIU in Illinois, and I, he was right. I was not ready to actually go to university yet, even though I thought I was. And still, I still not. I just, no, definitely <laughs> less ready now. And um, I ended up with a bunch of college debt. And no degree. And he was right. And instead, I just wanted to be this person that was going to go to this college. 
And so that's kind of what Thomas Sowell is saying right here. Like, if you're not ready to go to the school yet, don't just go there and end up with a bunch of debt and fail and then be screwed for a while. It helped mm. me because I don't want to be teaching music right now anyway. That but. was over a minute, but... Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was yeah, two we'll, minutes. All right, let's go. We'll give you time. I have a personal story, but... Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to tell it, though, because oh. I feel bad. Mine's, you know, I was encouraged the opposite direction. No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but I dropped out to play music, mm. so... Me too. I just didn't want to go through all the details of you know, how I got pulled into the, you know, the, the office. Like, hey, <laughs> you know, you're a lot smarter than the rest of these kids. Uh-huh. You know, you should pursue this. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I'm go play music. And <laughs> get drunk and tattoos. Because that works for <laughs> yeah. so many people. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with someone you know. Everyone needs to hear the lovely Thomas Sowell. Uh, read his books. Listen to his lectures and his interviews. Um, he's even featured on Free to Choose, by the way. He's on a bunch of those, yeah. So go check out Free to Choose Network. Um, still good friends of ours. Old Rob. Haven't talked to Rob in a while. I thought you were saying that Thomas Sowell was still good friends of ours. No. But um, that would be awesome. That would be cool. Yeah. No. I talked to Rob about, uh, oh, like three weeks ago. Oh, nice. Yeah. I haven't. <laughs> Ever since I skipped out on that concert yeah. that got canceled. Yep. So anyway, free to choose network. Go check that out. Leave us a rating and review. Share the show. Go to godhatesfeds.com. Pick up some merchandise and join the Fed Haters Club. There's a link there or you can go to joingmail.com. And if you do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow for another dumb bleep of the week (laughs) since today was pretty dumb itself. Uh, Until then, I hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.